in your Bibles this morning, would you go with me to Luke chapter 9? Luke chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at verse 1 through verse 9 this morning, where we see Jesus' disciples on mission being sent out by the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we are grateful for the honor and the privilege that we have today to come before your holy word. Lord, thank you for these words of Christ, for this commission that he gave to his disciples that is in many ways a model for us as we continue to carry on that same mission to go to all the world and to proclaim the good news, to preach the gospel to everyone on earth. So Lord, I pray that you would bless this time of hearing and meditating on your word and may your son, the Lord Jesus Christ be exalted. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Just a little while ago, for the 12 disciples, some of them were on the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and they were fishing. In fact, they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. And then Jesus shows up and says to these disciples, Peter and James and John, he says, throw your nets on the other side. And Peter says, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. What, what's the point of throwing the net on the other side? But because Jesus gave him that instruction, he did. And so Peter throws the net on the other side of the boat and they bring in a haul of fish so huge that it begins to weigh the boat down to where it begins to sink, to where they have to call some of their other partners on the lake to come over and help take some of the fish off of their boat. And then they get to shore and they see this huge haul of fish. And Jesus uses that as a moment to call disciples to himself. He calls Peter, he calls James and John. And the Bible says that they left everything and followed Jesus. In fact, on that occasion, Jesus told Peter, he says, from now on, you will catch people. You will be a fisher of men. I wonder if that instance, if that moment in Jesus' life 
came back to Peter's mind when Jesus gathered them and now was about to send them out to go from village to village to proclaim the good news and to heal the sick and to cast out demons. That's what Jesus told Peter that he was going to do. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And now he is going to send them out to do that exact thing. And so Jesus is about to commission his disciples. And in the first couple of verses of this passage, we see that Jesus commissions his disciples for the mission. Jesus commissions his disciples for the mission. It says when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And just by way of remembrance, uh, just the, the reminder that Jesus has many disciples. There are many people who are following him. In fact, we've seen in recent uh, messages in Luke that Jesus has crowds, multitudes following him from place to place where he goes, listening to him teach, seeing him heal people. But Jesus had a special group of disciples that he specially called. In fact, spent all night in prayer before he called them and selected those 12 out of this larger group of followers. And so now he is gathering these 12, the ones that he has specially chosen, and he is going to send them out. According to other gospels, he sends them out two by two. He sends them out in pairs and they go from place to place. They go from village to village. According to verse number two, it says he sent them out also not only to heal the sick, but to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so Jesus commissions his disciples for the mission. And this commission that Jesus gives his disciples involved special authority, special authority. According to the passage, it says that Jesus gave his disciples authority in two particular areas. One is over the demonic realm, that they would have the ability from Jesus to cast out demons. In fact, as we've seen Jesus do in recent episodes. A second authority that Jesus gave them was to heal diseases. What was the purpose of these signs? What was Jesus' purpose in giving them these abilities? I believe it was for the more important purpose of them going out with a specific message and mission. In fact, when we see that Jesus sent them out to cast out demons and to heal diseases and to preach the good news of the gospel, the emphasis, the, the most important aspect of what they're going to do is to proclaim the good news of Jesus' message, the, the good news of the kingdom of God. The, the casting out of demons and the healing of diseases is a subservient purpose to the proclamation of the message of Jesus Christ. So the ability to cast out demons and to heal diseases are really means of authenticating or giving uh, authenticity, veracity to the fact that these disciples are really sent from God. And so that their message should therefore be heeded. It should be listened to because they are demonstrating the same power that Jesus himself had done over the demonic realm, over the physical realm of diseases. Just one thing to, to note here, and that is that this authority that the disciples have to cast out demons and to heal diseases 
It is a received authority, isn't it? It is not an inherent authority, meaning the disciples do not have independently of Jesus this authority to cast out demons and to heal diseases. They have this authority, they have this power because they have received it as a, a gift, as a bestowal from Jesus himself, who does have the inherent authority to cast out demons and to heal diseases. Jesus doesn't receive authority to cast out demons and heal diseases. He has all authority. Now he is sending out his disciples and he is delegating to them this authority to go and do likewise so that their message of preaching the kingdom of God and the good news of the gospel will be authenticated, that they are in fact servants of Jesus. And so his commission not only involved this authority, but involved a specific message and a specific mission. In fact, Jesus gives them instructions on what they are to do. And those instructions are in verses three through five. Jesus instructs his disciples about the mission. In verse three, he says, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. What is Jesus telling them here? Basically, he is telling them a principle that we see throughout scripture. Going back to the Levites in the Old Testament, running through pastors and missionaries and servants in the New Testament, the principle is that those who minister for God, those who minister the gospel, they're to be provided for in that ministry by those who benefit and receive that ministry. And so Jesus says, you don't need to take anything with you. That's a call to faith, isn't it? It's a call to faith, to trust Jesus' word. They had to depend upon him. Just like the Israelites had to depend on God in the wilderness, that God was going to send them manna every day. And then on the seventh day, they weren't supposed to go out and gather it because they were to trust God that he would give them enough on the sixth day to last through the seventh day. They had to depend. That's what he is asking his disciples to do here, to depend on him. Don't take anything extra with you. For a couple of reasons. One is I don't want you to be laden down with all these extra burdens. I want you to go and I want your main mission, your focus to be proclaiming the gospel and not having to worry about these other things, but also to, to teach them faith and to trust in their dependence on Jesus. And so they go out and when they go out, they are to be received by the towns or villages that they go into. And so if someone hears them and they believe their message and they accept the message of the kingdom of God, they accept the good news, then Jesus says, then stay with them and they will provide hospitality for you. They'll give you a place to sleep. They'll give you a place to stay. They'll give you meals. And if your shirt wears out, they'll sew it up for you or they'll make you another one. Don't take all these other things with you. Depend on God and on his people that he has out there who will receive the message. And he says in verse five, what if they don't welcome us? Well, if they don't welcome you, then leave their town 
and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now, this is a good reminder for us 2,000 years later. Obviously, there are many things in this passage that are specific to the 12, right? Specific to the 12. This is a special commission of Jesus to the 12. I'm not convinced that today we have this same authority to cast out demons or to heal the sick like the disciples had. This is a unique gift, a unique authority that Jesus gave to his 12. And that, that, uh, that healing ministry, that casting out demon ministry, we see it on display in the Gospels. We see it on display in the book of Acts while the apostles were still alive. But once the apostles passed from the scene, we no longer see these same gifts of healing or of casting out demons like we see in the Gospels or the book of Acts. Why? Because I believe it was a special endowment from Jesus to the twelve while the initial proclamation of the gospel was going out into the world. And while the New Testament was being written, while the foundation of the church was being laid, and now that the foundation of the church has been laid, we no longer need these same authenticating signs. Now we just need the message. Now we need the word of God because the word of God is fully sufficient for all that we need now for life and faith and practice and godliness. And so this is a special mission that the 12 have, but we can also still learn lessons that I think are principles here that move forward from the time of the apostles down to our, our mission, our ministry as well. And there's a lesson that we can learn in verse five. And that is that we are responsible to go. We're responsible to give the message, but we are not responsible for the reception of that message. We're not accountable for the reception of the message. And that takes a huge burden of responsibility off of us, doesn't it? That's not something that we have to be anxious about. Yes, we are fishers of men, but we are not salesmen. Salesmen, they're responsible for results, aren't they? You don't last very long as a salesman if you don't produce results. I lasted one week as a car salesman. It's not in my wheelhouse of talents and abilities. I realized very quickly it wasn't for me. You've got to produce results. You've got to, you've got to be able to schmooze people and small talk people and, and get people to, to sit down and talk with you and that's just not in my wheelhouse to do that. I realized I wasn't a salesman. But in sales floors, whether it be cars or anything else, you've got goals, you've got quotas, you've got objectives that you're going to try to meet. And you have certain, you have certain goals that you're supposed to meet. And if, if not, then there are repercussions, right? And if you don't produce enough, then you might be let go as a salesman. You're not really doing your job. You're not pulling your weight. Being a missionary being an ambassador for Christ is not being a salesman. We're not responsible for producing a set number of converts. We don't have a quota of how many converts we have to convert. Jesus brings the increase. As, as Paul said, we, we plant Apollos waters, but God gives the increase, doesn't he? God's the one who builds the house. So the results that happen in people's hearts, that's not up to us. 
Well, what the disciples were responsible for was just going out and faithfully obeying the commission and giving the message. And in fact, Jesus says to them, if people reject you, that's on them. That's not on you. That's on them. That's on their heads. They will bear responsibility for that. In fact, as you leave, shake off the dust off your feet, kind of as a symbolic handing over to God of judgment of these people who have rejected the message that God sent them. And so they're to go out trusting in God for their provision and trusting in God for the results. Just obey. And that's what they did. Now, one thing that I noticed in this passage is Jesus tells them in this passage, don't take anything with you. Don't take a staff. Don't take extra money. Don't take an extra shirt. But compare that with what Jesus says to them later in Luke 22. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse or bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. They were taken care of. But now he says to them, but now if you have a purse, a money bag, take it with you. If you also have a bag, and if you don't have a sword, then sell your cloak and buy one. What's the difference? Why, why in Luke chapter 9 is Jesus saying, you don't need any of this extra stuff. But in Luke 22, he's saying, now I want you to take it with you. What's the difference? Because Jesus is about to be a rejected, crucified criminal. And the level of opposition against the Christian message is about to increase many times over. During this point in Jesus' ministry in Luke 9, he has throngs of people around him everywhere he goes. He has people waiting for him when he gets off the boat from the Sea of Galilee. But in Luke 22, he's on the verge of being hung on a cross and people crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus says, now as you go out, you're going to be persecuted. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So bring a bag with you. Bring a staff with you. Bring provisions with you because I'm sending you out into a dangerous world. But in both situations, they were supposed to depend upon Christ. To depend on his power, to depend on his provision, and to depend on him for the results of their mission They were just to obey. And that's what they did. According to verse number six, the disciples obeyed Jesus' commission. It says they set out and they went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. They went out. They obeyed the mission. And that is what Jesus is asking us to do as his disciples now is to obey the commission. Now, let me ask you a question. This commission in Luke 9 was specifically for the 12. Does this apply to us? Do we have a commission? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says to all of his disciples, not just the 12, but to the 120 who are gathered there in the upper room, to those who are there with him as he's about to send into heaven. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And you read the book of Acts 
And we see in Acts chapter one, where Jesus says, I'm going to make you witnesses unto me. I'm going to give you the power of the spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the rest of the book of Acts is an unfolding of that story of Jesus' disciples and more than Jesus' disciples, the 12, but others as well going out to proclaim the message. And so the model of the New Testament is Jesus hands the mission to the 12 and then the 12 hand the mission to others and those others develop others and hand the mission to them and it's passed down from generation to generation like a baton is passed in a relay. And we have received the baton of the faith, of the gospel, and it's ours to take it and run with it and carry it and bear it to the world. And so we have a responsibility to obey this commission as well. And so while this is a unique calling on the 12, this passage, I think, does show us the principle that our mission is to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithfully presenting him and his message to the world. Our mission is to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithfully presenting him and his message to the world. I use the word ambassador for a couple of reasons. One, because earlier in our service, I read from 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul uses that word. We are ambassadors for Christ, seeking to do this ministry of reconciliation, of reconciling the world to God. He says we're ambassadors. And I think also that concept of ambassador fits what Jesus is asking his disciples to do here in Luke chapter 9. Because what does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents, right? An ambassador represents someone else. Usually we think of an ambassador in terms of government, right? We think of a president, a prime minister who sends out an ambassador to another land, another nation. And that ambassador's job is to faithfully represent the message of the president or the prime minister. So he would not be a good ambassador if he were out there just saying, you know what, the president, the White House, this is the message they told me to tell you, but here's what I really think you ought to do. He's not going to last very long as an ambassador doing that, is he? You, you choose an ambassador who's going to faithfully represent you and your message to those that you send them. And when we see what's going on here, the disciples are almost like little copies of Jesus. What message are they going out with? Jesus' message. They've heard him teach now many, many times. They've heard this message. He's sending them out with that same message. What signs and miracles and authority is he sending them out with? The same that he's been displaying. Now, received from him as a gift, they are to go out and display that to the world. So basically, they're like representatives, ambassadors of Jesus, saying the same things and doing the same things that Jesus was doing sending them out to the world. They're like extensions of Jesus' ministry going out where Jesus physically cannot be in every location. We now are the extension of Jesus' ministry and the extension of the apostles' ministry, and we go out to the world, and we are to faithfully represent Christ, saying what he said and doing what he did within our abilities that God gives to us. And so we are to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the key, faithfully presenting him. 
faithfully presenting him and his message to the world. And when that message is presented to the world, we have done our responsibility, like Ezekiel says about a watchman. If you're a watchman and you see the enemy come and you don't call out that there's danger, then the blood that is shed in your city, that's on your head because you didn't call out the warning. But if you call out the warning and you do your responsibility as a watchman, then whatever happens is not on your head because you've done the responsibility. That's what Jesus is asking us to do is to go out and to faithfully be ambassadors and do our responsibility. And the results are up to God. We're to bring people face to face with Jesus. And then they have to make a choice in what to respond to that message. And that's how I want to tie in verses 7 through 9, because we see this news going out, and Herod hears about it. Herod hears about what Jesus was doing. He hears about the ministry of Jesus, and it says that he's perplexed. He's confounded because he's hearing all of these reports about who this is and what's happening And he hears people saying that John had been raised from the dead. This is a reference to John the Baptist. But by this point in the story, Herod had already beheaded John the Baptist. John the Baptist had already been a martyr in standing faithfully for the truth of God. Herod says, I saw that with my own eyes. John is dead. Others were saying that Elijah has appeared. Others still that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. Herod says, I beheaded John. Who then is this that I hear such things about? That's a great question, isn't it? That's really the question that is presented to every reader, hearer of the gospel of Luke or the gospel of John or the gospel of Matthew. Here is the message The question that is presented to you is, who is this? Who is this man? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? And the resounding answer from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the son of the living God. In fact, later on, this same uh, news that Herod hears is going to be swirling about and Jesus is going to ask his disciples the same question. Jesus is going to say to his disciples, some say that John has been raised from the dead, others that Elijah has come, others that one of the great prophets has come back from the dead. But then Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you didn't get that from flesh and blood. You got that from heaven. Because that's the truth. That's the, right, that's the right answer. That's the answer to Herod's question. Who is this that I hear all these things about? He's not John. He's not Elijah. He's not just one of the great prophets. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. And he desires to see him. Be careful of what you desire. Herod does get a chance to see Jesus, doesn't he? A little bit later on. Jesus is standing before him, but now he's on trial. Herod had an opportunity to see Jesus, 
His response to Jesus was the wrong one. He sends him back to Pilate. Do whatever you want with him. And Jesus is crucified. When the message of Jesus is presented to us, when we come face to face with Jesus, as Herod did, we must believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that opening of heart, that opening of eyes, that comes from above. And now for us who have believed, who have trusted in Jesus Christ, whose eyes have been opened to see who he really is and answer this question rightly, who is this? This is Jesus, the Son of God. Now we have been given a mission. And that mission is to faithfully represent Christ to the world. Present him faithfully to the world and then it is their accountability for how they respond to that message. We are not responsible for how they respond. We're responsible for faithfully presenting Christ. And so may we be found faithful in that. As the disciples here, the 12, faithfully carried out Jesus' instructions. May we go with boldness, even though we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers to people's questions and skepticisms, but we do go with the word. And the word is powerful, isn't it? The gospel is powerful to save both the Jew and the Greek. Paul says in Romans 1.16, the gospel is powerful and we go with the spirit. So we do not go alone. And so may we with boldness and courage and clarity be faithful representatives of Christ. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness your grace that you have lavished on us that we might be saved. That we, at a time in our lives, had our eyes opened, received the message of heaven that this Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. And now, Lord, having been awakened to that message and trusting in faith, now we have been called. We've been called to go. Some called to go around the world to faraway places. But for many of us, we're just called to go across the street to our neighbor or to go across the room to a coworker to share the message of Christ with those around us. Father, may we be faithful as your ambassadors, as your representatives. And may you be pleased, Father, through our weak and frail testimony, our weak and frail witness, may you be pleased to use the power of the gospel and the power of the spirit to awaken souls to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name, amen.